Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you're listening. This is This American Podcast Comedy Edition. I'm Tony Visick. We are back on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. <laughs> we are experiencing technical difficulties, but we've got them straightened out. This is... <laughs> good morning, this is Tony Visick on This American Podcast uh, Fucked Up Technical Edition. Uh, I'm sitting here with, I'm just going to get to it, because uh, I, I need to be entertained rapidly. Yeah. I'm sitting with Michael Wheels Parisi. Hey, what's going on, Tony? It's How, nice to be here. Thank you very much. You got lost on the way here. I did. I got lost on the way here, but I found it eventually. I, you, I, did. I, I, you know what I did? I didn't put, like, because I, I like to eat, so I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking for an office. Meanwhile, I should have been looking for a restaurant. Yeah. And I yeah. Found, I finally found the place. Yeah. So did you already eat this morning, or? I ate. Yeah, I had dinner. You know what it is? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like to get things out of the way early, so yeah. I have a nice show tonight. It's not an age thing. It's just an enjoying <laughs> food is. thing, right? You notice the older you get. That's true, though. The older you get, the, the earlier you wake up. It's crazy. You do. Yeah. You do. And then, But you realize you have nothing to do. Nothing. Because no one wants to talk to you. No one cares. Yeah, no one cares. But you've been doing... Uh, I started doing uh, stand-up comedy in like 1985, 86. You've been doing it that long. I started in 86. You started yeah. in 86. So we started right when the comedy boom was in the middle of it. Right in the middle. Right. And things... It looked like our lives were going to be great. Right. We thought we were going to be rich and famous right. and wonderful and loved. We and knew it would take 30 years to become rich and famous. Yeah. Well, at least famous. And then all the places that actually uh, uh, would hire us then all closed. Right. Yeah. So where, what are they doing now? I don't know. You know what it was like, the comedy boom? I said it was like uh, the Civil War. You know, like, people don't realize that Custer was a colonel when he died. Right. But he'd been a general in the Civil War. So during the boom, everybody was a headliner. And then all of a sudden, you were like uh, co-opening for Rich Voss. Yeah, you were opening. You were doing a tour of 7-Elevens. <laughs> Did you start out on the East Coast or West Coast? I started out in New York on the East Coast in Brooklyn. Yeah? Pips Comedy Club. Pips, which uh, some people say is... Uh, one of the original comedy clubs of the modern it's era. It's actually the first comedy club. I know that the Ice House claims to be the first comedy club, but it's not true. Pip's Comedy Club is the first comedy club in the country. It was a full-time comedy full-time club. Full-time comedy club. Opened in 1962. Had it been something before that? Um, I don't know. Because yeah. the Ice House had been a, a folk music joint, like the right. Kingston Trio, and, and right. uh, those guys used to play uh, that. Yeah, uh, Pip's, actually, now that I'm thinking back, Pip's was a coffee house. The coffee house. Right. There was a thing in the 70s, go to a coffee house and listen to yeah. guys do bad versions of Puff the Magic Dragon. Right. And then one day, guys like you and I showed up and go, how about some dick jokes instead? Yeah, and we'll just go Puff the Magic Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look at you. You look like you're puffing on my magic dragon. Get over here with my dragon. Yeah, and then the folk musicians all left weeping. Yeah. And well, became hedge fund managers and opened up clubs that hired us. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, that's what happened. And because comedy back then was like, yeah, Lenny Bruce... Who was also a guy at Pips? Yeah, you know, Pips was a was a uh, spawning grounds for. Does that make sense? Like salmon. Grounds? Yeah, like salmon. That's yeah. where they went there to, to cl climb uphill, basically, yeah. until you died yeah. in L.A. Yeah. <laughs> now you know what you know what kind of uh, pisses me off sometimes is I meet a lot of young comics. I mention Lenny Bruce, and I go, "Who? Yeah, they they have no understanding of uh, where all this came from." What guys went through in order to be able to say what they wanted to say. I agree. Can I be completely honest on your podcast? You may. I mean, because I believe in that. I'm doing this 30 years, over 30 years. Like yeah. You. I'm not impressed with the young comedians today. I mean, okay. I, and, and I, and I want to say, because, and um, they really, they haven't lived a life. You know, they go on stage and they want to talk about all the crazy things they were born in. Oh, yeah, and my, and my father used to, you know, take me in the back. No one really cares about that stuff. Yeah. It's not, not comedy say that comes, comes from the truth, they say. Comedy yeah. comes from the truth. But it, not everything. Sometimes no. you have to lie on stage to get laughs. I say it's all about emotional truth. I agree. You there know? you go. So, so fact, uh, people go, uh, it, it's only true. I go, well, this is a brown table. There's nothing funny about that. Right. Now, I take your head and I smack it against the brown table. 
then maybe there's something funny. Funny, if you can yeah. remember it after yeah. you get smacked. But since I'm not actually going to smack your head against the table, if I'm just imagining it, and I talk about my imagination. Imagine right. smacking your I'm not going to smack anybody's head against the table. I don't mm. think I could. I think well, I think yeah. in the head smack uh, battle, you would win. Right, but if, if you did, it'd be funny. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's the basic, we're getting to the point. Getting <laughs> to the point. It, it's not about the truth, it's about stretching the truth. Exactly, embellishing. You know, I did yeah. a joke years ago where uh, I did a joke about that... Uh, um, uh, I, I was surprised that of all the people at Woodstock, this is before he died, Joe Cocker was the one that's still alive. That everybody from uh, Woodstock was dead. Right. That, you know, Janis Joplin dead, members of Grateful Dead dead, all 400,000 people dead. Some guy in the audience yelled, no, there's still people alive from Woodstock. I go, yeah, but that's not the point. My point is to stretch the truth. So many of the <laughs> yeah. musicians are dead. Right. We all thought that Cocker was going to die that day. Right. He was, so that's the fucking idea. Yeah. So that's the idea behind a lot of it. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's about. not that I, am, I have anything against the new comedians, by no means. It's just they shouldn't discredit the guys in our genre because we're still relevant. We're still we're still doing what we're doing. Yeah. We're still out there kicking ass in, in comedy clubs across the country. So a lot of the young comedians today, oh, you're a has-been, you're washed up, oh, you're 20 years. You know what? They're not working. You know, there's a, there's a, a now kind of legendary uh, podcast segment Bill Burr did where he just ripped into the festivals where yeah. he goes, they get, they get like a solid comic who can do a show. Right. And they have him up, and then they put up a bunch of kids who got five minutes and go, these are the stars of tomorrow, and they can't carry a show. They can't carry a room. No. They can't entertain people. They couldn't do it together. In yeah, one room. Yeah, in a large group. It wouldn't give them twenty yeah. minutes to feature. You know, I work with a lot of uh, I work I work with a lot of newer and younger comics, and 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 I impart a lot of this to them. A lot of them really do try, but you know, here's when you and I started. It wasn't about the money, but we realized that there was money. Right. We knew that it was there. We knew there was going to be a right. job. I mean, you, you strike me as a guy who came from a working class background. Right. I came from a working class background, and um, I also realized that if I didn't um, if I didn't work, I wasn't going to eat. Correct, but we also were doing comedy because we 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 wanted to just be stand up comedians. That's what we Any, wanted to be. Anything else that came our way was fine, and that was great. We TVs and all that all of a sudden become we were in part of it. But we really truly wanted to be stand up comedians, and we embraced the culture and developed the culture of stand up. Yeah. So I know you're doing you're you're uh, you're coaching people. I do. See, and I think that's great because the young comedians of today need guys like you and people in our genre to teach them what the comedy culture is about not from some punk 14 year old kid who thinks he's got a good six minutes and i'm going to teach you how to write a joke that's not what it's about what it's about is it's the culture learning yeah. the business you know? yeah so well we teach them all of that i mean and uh, uh the the, uh, the the kids and some of them are adults but you call them kids at this point uh that are beginning to do television now have all come from us right they need us yeah i mean and it was like a wednesday night they did the taping of laughs at, at the uh, right, right, and by the way, I should mention. I'm going to mention. You'll be able to see Michael uh, uh, all week at the uh, ScottStillLaughAgree.com. Hold on, let me do this part. Paul and Paul, our good friends, Paul Rodriguez and Paul Hop, have brought Jamie Masada's Laugh Factory to the Valley of the Sun. It's at the corner of Scottsdale and Shea, coolest corner in all of Scottsdaleville. Two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow, one show Sunday. Come on, see Michael Wheels, Parisi, a man who has his own podcast and tours with the legendary Andrew Dice Clay. For tickets, go to Scottsdale Laugh Factory. Dot com. All That's right. good. I did that. That was really good. Yeah, yeah. All in one breath. Yeah. So and later on, I'm going to go sell a Pontiac. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably buy it. Not not a car, the person. There's yeah, one left. There's one guy Pontiac. Yeah, one guy, yeah. Bobby on Pontiac. On Chaparral Road. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, all of the, like, we had three kids that were, uh, they uh, did that show. It's an entry-level show. It's maybe the evening of the improv of their era. Right. You know, uh, one of the things I think has happened, too, is that, I told someone, I go, I used to know when I started out, there were headliners that would argue with the club owners over money. 
They Correct. would, yeah. I, I remember. I remember one time being in the office where Ollie Joe Prater was screaming. Oh my God, Ollie Joe! Screaming at, at a guy, and when and at the end, the guy gave him the money, you right. know. And but they, they, uh, you could actually negotiate that. Now they go in, they go, "I'll pay you if I can tell jokes here." Correct. They've kind of, they've kind of disincentivized economically. They watered it down. Yeah. I mean, years ago, I remember there was a place out here in Arizona. Actually, I don't even know if I should get into that story. But you remember there was a club out here in Tucson, Arizona. Yeah, the guy used to pay. He was back in the uh, the eighties, and he would try to barter with you. He either paid in cash or paid in coke, one or the other. Yeah, now, I yeah, wasn't, yeah, I wasn't, yeah. <laughs> now I wasn't a coke guy. I was not my thing. I yeah. wanted the cash, so uh-huh. I had to opt out for a little less money. How's that? Well, you could probably get a better deal on coke in Brooklyn. They were giving, yeah, yeah, in Brooklyn, yeah, you just, yeah. You know. Well, you know, I actually started. I, I got. Um, uh, I was an unlicensed pharmaceutical rep on Hollywood Boulevard near the Laugh Factory. <laughs> oh, in the eighties, wow. and when I cleaned up is when I started doing stand up comedy. I actually met. Uh, Claudia Lanau and Rich Scheidner, and they uh, encouraged me. I, I think it's because they really hated me. Uh, they <laughs> encouraged me to. Um, uh, they encouraged me to do uh, uh, stand up. Do we have some? No, we have someone at the door. So uh, I don't. I don't know if this is another laugh act. This might guy. be the feature. This might be the feature. My opener. Yeah. Okay. Good. Bring him in. Bring him in. This is loose and goosey today, man. This is fun. And who do we have? You know, you know that's you're gonna sit there. You sit there. Sit there. Let me bring your mic up. And and who do we have here in the room with us now? I have no idea. Okay, good. We just walked. Out. I like this. I like. I was this looking for like the restroom this. actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy ain't even on the show with you, is he? Wheels. No, no, no. Tell us who he is. <laughs> I'm nervous now. <laughs> Uh, it's Rene Garcia. Oh, Rene, how are you? Good, good, brother. We were expecting, uh, when they said Rene, we were expecting a uh, woman. A Frenchman. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah, or a woman would have been uh, totally fine. Uh, <laughs> well, Rene's cute. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think I'll pass for either one, actually. You know what? If we were on a ship and it sunk, we were on a light craft. <laughs> right. Rene would then be Rene. He'd be Rene. Yes, wouldn't even need the wig. No, not at French. all. Yeah. <laughs> on the ship, we'd go, Rene, put the wig on. There you go. So I guess some dignity. But if we were on a life raft, not even a wig. No. Right on, right on. Yeah. Yeah, Mike shave his head so we're clear yeah. about who he is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I got a lot of hair. Look at this. Yeah. yeah look good, good for I you, like, man. I like yeah. to start out the morning talking about uh, ass rape in the feature act. <laughs> oh, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> right? That was true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was a slow night last night, so we had nothing That's to do. That's right. Yeah. I like nachos. What's I wrote the, the first line <laughs> of a blues song once called Party in the Prison. We're going to put a wig on Fred. That's all I got. You know, <laughs> but it was party in a prison. <laughs> it was one of the first jokes I did at Masada's Laugh Factory on the Sunset Strip when it was a hole in the wall uh-huh. in uh, like er, er, early 86. Jamie, last time I saw him, goes, no, Tony, you started in 1984, Tony, buddy. Buddy, you <laughs> buddy. started in 1984, buddy. I go, no, 1985. He goes, nobody, 84. I go, I'm not going to argue with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jamie's good. Jamie, I actually, uh, when I got to L.A. in 1989, I w- Laugh Factory was my first club. I became a regular at before the comedy store. Then yeah. I became, yeah. Uh, Jamie was always good to me. I love Jamie. Buddy, you know, buddy, buddy. He's a yeah. great guy. He's a smart guy. Very uh, smart. You know, uh, you know, everything's competitive in the world. I agree. Uh, as far as... Uh, uh, as far as guys who have been competitive in the entertainment industry but haven't become total jerks, Jamie Masada is definitely one of them. Because some club owners become so cynical and hateful and mean. Some? Some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and hey, look, Paul, uh, here's the funny thing about the Laugh Factory. This is why, this is why we, uh, we love doing, being able to be, do business with them. My first open mic night ever, December of 85. I'm sorry, Jamie. At the Laugh Factory in right. the Sunset Strip when it was just a hole in the wall. 
Beautiful yeah. sign. Yeah, long great room. location. Long room. Long room. My Ooh. first paid gig, March of 1986, Fitty Bones, Paul Hop was running it. Wow. So, you know, it's kind of, it, it, it's all kind of dovetailed Well, together. that's what's great about the, the club out here in Scottsdale, the Laugh Factory, is that, you know, with Paul Rodriguez being involved with it and yeah. Paul Hopper, these guys understand the minds of comedians and what we, in, in not just the comedy business, but comics themselves. Yeah. So it's a great room. That's the reason why people are going to come here and, and, and perform here for, for those reasons. You know, I, you know what, you know what I, I like so much about Paul Hop is, um, I don't know what that was. That was... Uh, um, it's breakfast time. It's bre- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what I like about Hop is I was, I was talking the other day, and he was still talking about how to help some young comic. He's been 30 yeah. years more in this game, and he's going, and I just told him if he just did. And it wasn't like arrogant. He wasn't over to the, And I told him, 30 years in the business, I know. He goes, and if he just did this. Right. You know, and uh, I think he actually, I don't know. Uh, like I said, they did that uh, TV tape on Wednesday night. Uh, I don't know if everybody that they tape gets on, so I don't want to mention anybody's names yet. It's yeah. kind of like Showtime used to do that when Ken Weinstock was doing the Showtime specials. That's how it was, yeah. Yeah, that maybe you weren't going to get on. Fortunately, I got on. Right. But uh, That's how it was at uh, Santa Barbara Comedy Festival I was at, and I did the uh, Showtime special, The Blue Show. Uh, there was a bunch of Showtime specials, show of specials being filmed. Only two got through. It was our show, and uh, I forget the other one. There's a bunch of comedians looking f- getting shows, but nobody aired. Yeah, no but they'll hold on to those shows if somebody breaks yeah, exactly, somebody yeah. else. Yeah, they'll, they'll do they'll it. bring them out, kind of like. Uh, did, I, did you and I ever work together? You know, I know your name, and I'm positive we worked together. You know, I think we worked together actually. I'm, I'm looking at. I think there was a place in Pasadena called Wise Guys on, in Colorado Boulevard in Pasadena back in the '80s, back in like '89, '88, '89, '90. And I think that we was like an open mic, like a, a showcase night. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. think you might have been there that night. Well, you know, I lived in Los Angeles. I lived there from uh, '78 till uh, 2008, okay. and uh, and then for you know from '85 on, I was a stand-up comic. So uh, since I lived there, I had a family there, etc. I did a lot of. I used to do local stuff yeah, when local stuff sure. paid. Right when they paid, they yeah, yeah. Pay. I think they paid like twenty-five bucks, thirty bucks. Yeah, cares, yeah, and, yeah. And dinner. It was all about dinner to me. Well, I feel yeah. like a tadpole right now <laughs> <laughs> with you two guys talking. This is this is insane. Well, we, we I, I feel like an embryo right now. We should, <laughs> we should, the hedge. We should bring you in, Renee. He told me it was a feature <laughs> act. I said, I said, don't open the door. Yeah, no kidding. There's a little red light out there. Yeah. You know? I've been out there for 30 minutes, actually. I told Paul Hop, I said, I'm getting enough downloads now. I don't need a feature act. <laughs> yeah. Can move yeah. on. I mean, when I had no, when I had no downloads, I'd go, "Well, oh, yeah, send a feature." This is out. the second uh, week without the MC. Especially a guy named Renee. We're building. We're building. Go, you, so you got a man named Renee. Yeah. Does right. he work with a duck or you got a midget? <laughs> Otherwise, that my crowd doesn't. They're not evolved yet. No, they like right. ducks. They <laughs> actually like ducks. My crowd prefers a duck. Over a MC or yeah, oh, there you go. That's true. <laughs> I used to own a club in Oklahoma City, and I was talking to an agent one time, and uh, I was in hire, and it was Oklahoma City, and I figured out, I go, if I just book what I like, the place will close. Right. I also have wow. to book what these people like. Yeah, this exactly. is their city. I exactly. bought the club here, and uh, I'm turning down good comics that I like, and I go, I can't, I can't, I can't. And the guy goes, uh, he goes, you know what? He goes, if I had two monkeys jacking off, you'd book them. I go, do you have that? <laughs> Because I can put that here on a Monday, call it Triple X. I'll bring in that. Uh, oh, I'll bring great. in Frank Santos from Rhode Island. He'll he'll hypnotize them. Yeah, that'd be get great. Them to take off their clothes and watch the monkeys jack off. And, and then we can do a kids show during the day on Sunday yeah, afternoon. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Show. yeah, utilize them and then you, bring the monkeys in. <laughs> you were friends with Ali Joe Prater. Yeah, I knew Ali Joe very well. He did, a, he did a lot of my material on the road. <laughs> <laughs> there was a uh, 
legendary story. If you don't know Holly Joe Prater's, if you don't know the history of stand, the history of stand up is richer and more colorful than than the golden age of Hollywood. Uh, richer and more colorful than the uh, the uh, London music scene in the '60s or San Francisco. If you don't know who Holly Joe Prater is, find out. Incredibly funny guy. I got a picture of him on my my phone. I'm going to show it to you. Yeah, I yeah. Okay. Is your phone big enough to uh, show yeah, me a picture I know. of Ollie Joe? <laughs> Ollie Joe, um, we used to go to the comedy store, if you remember back in the day, and he would he would actually come over to comedians and say, oh, man, your stuff really worked on the road. <laughs> I love that shit. That one, that's an old photo. I'm not in it, but look who's in that photo. Is it uh, Roseanne and uh, Charlie Hill? Ro- Roseanne, Charlie Hill, and if you scoot over, Dice is over, over there on the, other, on the other side. Uh, Ollie Joe oh, Prater. Oh, my goodness. And um, then the is guy who has the Brooklyn shirt. Oh, I can't remember his name. Remember him? He's actually... Now, is Ellie Joe still with us? Or Ollie Joe passed, passed away. Yeah, passed okay. away. Yeah. All right. You know uh, who posts a lot of this stuff now? Argus Hamilton, who's a good friend of Yeah, ours. Argus is great. Argus and I are very close friends, and he's been putting up on his Facebook. He has a picture of him and Ollie Joe out in front of the Royal Palms apartment. Oh, yeah, the Royal Palms. Yeah, and that's wow, back in the yeah, 70s. Yeah, I know. I heard that started. place. Yeah, yeah. Before, before you and I started. Argus was, um, I don't know, when I was uh, in a different profession in Hollywood, Argus was actually one of my customers. Sure, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure he was, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and he, I, might have, he might have been one of my customers at the <laughs> tail end. <laughs> 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 when did he pass away? Uh, Argus is still... Oh, Ollie, Ollie Joe? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, 10 years ago now. Oh, more than that. Had to be 20, really? 20 yeah. years ago, yeah. Oh. There's a fake... Because when I met... Well, his soul lives on through a lot of other comedians that I know, just saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they do the same. They're like, uh, I, I, I do your stuff on the road. And I'm like, uh, that's not funny. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Jay Leno said a great thing one time. He said, uh, "He said people are going to steal your jokes right faster than oh, they yeah, steal. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. You know? They're stealing... They just stole a joke the other day. There's a comedian out there doing my whole Chinese routine. She's a, a girl who... And she, it's just black woman. I forgot her name, like most of America. But I can't think of the joke she was do, she was doing. A person who's doing my joke, and she's doing it all over the country. And, I, and I'm getting calls about it. I'm like, you know what? I've done it on television already. Whatever. You know, I was uh, good pals with Bill Hicks. We were real close. Oh, oh wow, right? man! What? And uh, there was a, a rather famous comic who uh, uh, then it kind of exploded onto the scene. It was that evening at the Improv one night, and I was working Kansas City. At uh, Stanford. Stanford's and Sons. Yeah, mm. and I'm watching television. I'm watching, and I'm watching TV the way all of us do when you're watching, when you're on the road and you're watching guys on television, you go, how the fuck did he get that? Right. How's, how did he get on there? How come I'm not on there? Right. You couldn't yeah. really enjoy it. I had to learn how to enjoy stand up again. Yeah. But I'm seeing this guy and he's doing Bill's act. I'm not going to mention the name. You know who I'm talking about. I think about. I already know I who you're talking about. about. And he's doing yeah. Bill's act word for word. And I call Bill up and I go, this guy, and Bill went, there's nothing I can do about nothing that, man. He goes, he goes, you know what? He's going to do what he's going to do. And, um, you know, Bill's a legend. I mean, That's a great guy. Bill Hickson impersonation. Yeah. yeah. Hey, man. Pretty good. That's very good. Hey, <laughs> man. I was talking to some guys I know in Los Angeles, and they said, you don't drink. That was the first thing Bill Hicks ever said to me. Talk to some people in Los Angeles. I wasn't going to let Bill Hicks in my car. <laughs> Sandy DiPerno was a, uh, ran the Richmond Comedy Club and was a road agent on the East Coast. I remember DiPerno's name, yeah. Yeah, and she... <clears> um, she uh, was managing Bill and, and uh, handling me on the road, and we were working. I was working a Yoder gig with Andy Kindler. Yoder, oh, wow, yeah. wow, and, uh, and the dad, not the son. It's Eric now who runs. Eric, it. yeah, Eric, John Eric runs Yoder. It. Yeah. John was the John. guy. Yeah, John, and uh, I get a call going. Tony, can Bill ride with you? And I go, absolutely not. I hear the guy's an asshole. Or he's getting drunk everywhere, starting fights, and he smokes pot. And if we get busted, you know, take. She goes, Tony's broke, and he said. So I go, all right, Sandy, I'll do it for you. And uh, I was actually very intimidated by this young genius. Sure. So I was acting like a tough guy, I think. But uh, we work in Kalamazoo, which is where all great careers start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the first thing Bill Hicks ever said, I talked to some LA, people in LA, man. They said, you don't drink. I go, yeah, that's right. He goes, can I hang out with you? 
<laughs> Renee, where did you start? I started in Houston, Texas, brother. Same okay, place, Bill same Hicks. Place. Yeah, Bill? so I, yeah, I'm very familiar with Bill Hicks, brother. Do you know? Um, do you know Andy Huggins? I do know Andy Huggins. Yeah. Um, uh, I I was um, uh, as a matter of fact, Andy Huggins was the house MC at the time when I started. Ralphie May was still there uh, in town. He was still living in in, in Houston at the time. And um, uh, I, I was, I remember Andy Huggins being the house MC. Um, I, I did a showcase there one night. Um, I, and, and Andy was probably one of the first guys that, that really kind of made me feel comfortable there. Yeah. There was a lot of a-holes there, man, dudes. I'll be I mean, I, I didn't get it at the time, but I, I get it now. It's, it's just really clickish. You know what I mean? It's just uh, it, you know who you know and and who who you who you you know become you friends know what with. I think it is. You I, know what I mean? I thought about this for a while because you, you you work the road with guys, you're traveling with them. Ninety nine percent of the comics I've met are just really wonderful guys. Yeah. Okay, but then there's some there's that what people consider that clickish part. You're correct. Yeah. Or that mean part. And what it is is. You haven't quite made it yet, and you feel like you're almost there. That's and, exactly what it and is. And before you're quite there, there's this whole other wave of people coming. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. And you feel like, you almost feel like there should be some, there's not a seniority system. There's right. not going to be a seniority system, but that's what it feels like. You're seven years in, maybe, and all of a sudden, here's this whole new group of people doing stuff kind of like what you were doing, and right. it becomes very scary. And that's what come off as clickish. Well, yeah, we, you know, we, we kind of, uh, me and uh, Wheels kind of touched on it just very quickly last night because uh, uh, we were just kind of we we're talking about it and we mentioned it. But um, what now? I I was obviously I haven't been doing it as long as you guys have. Uh, but I, I started it back in '97, uh, just doing open mics at the time. But yeah. uh, but even at that, even from starting back then till now, uh, like one thing I've noticed in this game is that the, uh, for me personally, there's no other way to to, to play this game. Game other than just to play it the way it is but what I see now uh, and looking back from when I started to right now at this point I see a lot of these younger comics that they, 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 they they're trying to find a way to get it now like I what I, I don't want to go have to go through this game of playing yeah. this crappy gig here this crappy gig there and there's no other way to play the game other than just to play it now unless your father is like you know some hot shot in Hollywood that's fine so be it or your mother uh, yeah exactly yeah. and uh, I'm not looking I, to do yeah, comedy right. that's the problem it, yeah. exactly it, yeah, they're not. They're, they're not. If you want to do comedy, comedy? You can do it right now. When I started, I, I'd already been hanging around LA. I'd been going to acting school and stuff. And uh, when I heard you be paid as a comic, I went, "That's what I want to do." Right. Yeah. You know, and 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 I, I I became oddly enough, even though I lived in LA, I became a road comic, a primarily an East Coast comic for years. Because sure. I hooked it with some bookers there. So every week I was going to LAX and flying to. Atlanta or, yeah. or New Jersey or Florida. Chris DePetta yeah. used to book a Atlanta, right? Chris DePetta was the first guy ever booked me on a tour. Yeah. Booked me six weeks at a punchline. Chris DePetta. I first heard that name in a while, First man. guy to cancel me out of a tour because four, four of the six clubs closed. Wow. Because what's left? Oh, so you guys are friends then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I had, I had yeah. uh, uh, lunch with uh, Chris, um, I guess it was a year or two ago now, Jerry's in Ventura, you know, he and I and Rich Scheidner. I knew Billy Gardell was my opening sure, act. Billy Gardell, wow, yeah, man. Comedy Club. I used to hire Ralphie May for 400 bucks a week as a feature act. Yeah. So, and, yeah. you know, and... And I, now these guys are stars. <laughs> not only they're stars, it's a cool thing to see. Yeah, it is. You know? And when you, when you live in the business like we do and your friends are in the business, I find it comforting now. Even, you know, I live here now and uh, Shirley and I be watching TV and I go, I know that guy. 
I know that guy. It'll be a commercial. It'll be a stand-up. Sure. Oh, yeah. I go, I know that guy. And that guy lives in Studio City. That was his first job in four years. You're happy to see them working. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, it's good. It's, we're all relevant. You know? uh, I want to ask you about two people that I want to ask you about, Dice and, and some other stuff. Is uh, Riley Barber still around? Do you know this name? Yeah, yeah I do know Riley Barber. Um, Riley Barber, uh, I have not heard the name uh, or seen the guy in a very long time. Uh, probably one of the uh, uh, funniest guys I, I think I ever came across when I first started. Yeah. Uh, and and um, they they kind of him him and um, a couple of other local guys started this thing called the Whiskey Brothers, and uh, and rightfully so because <laughs> if you guys know these guys like we do, uh, you'll understand why the name fits so well. But um, I haven't seen the guy in a while, man. But I will I will say this: um, the lab stop was was one of the yeah. greatest rooms I think to ever sure. start. I was very lucky to grow up uh, and start my career in Houston. And um, we used to have our open mics on Mondays, Wheels. Yeah, Monday and, was an open mic. Mondays, night, yeah. And, and you know you have a really good open mic when the headliners for the weekend stayed an extra night just to do just to do your open mic because the headliners wanted to get laid oh, yeah. Get exactly. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and at that time and they had a shitty Sunday <laughs> exactly. and absolutely I'm gonna shine on Monday <laughs> nothing to do with the act yeah, yeah. shine on Monday and then maybe and like I get a cocktail I get a free night at the condo yeah right yeah. I mean in all the and, and Martin uh, a guy by the name of Mark Babbitt used to run the room I don't know if you guys uh, yeah. remember this name but Mark Babbitt used to run the room I mean and, and, and everybody would stay over I mean Joe Rogan would stay in over Doug Stanhope was staying over. Uh, I, um, uh, Dave Chappelle would stay stay over every once in a while. I mean, all of these these legitimate headliners would stay over an extra night just to hang out, and it was and and, and you know what? They probably did get late. I was the know. only reason why they were staying. <laughs> yeah. right. Trust me, that yeah. and they had a little yeah. weed. Yeah. The only reason why I was getting late at that time because I was married. But yeah. <laughs> and they'd already bought their food for the week. It was still in the yeah. fridge. Yeah, yeah. Wasted. Exactly. The waitress is off on Monday. Yeah, <laughs> I'm off on Monday. But yeah. Not yeah, man. Um, is Jack Mark Wilkes still around? Jack Mark Wilkes. I've heard of the name. I'm not very familiar with the guy, but I don't know. So, and, uh, and I haven't. I, you know, and I don't. I don't really know the Houston scene as much as I do anymore because I've been out in LA now for the past nine, nine, ten years. So, um, I don't really know know the uh, you know who's out there anymore. Well, for those of you who don't know, when you, there's certain things like in San Francisco in the '60s, music, London, you know. Uh, Music, uh, Seattle in the 90s. But for comedy, Houston at one time, I mean, and that was uh, uh, Bill and Sam. Yeah. And Ron Schock. Ron Schock, yes. Carla who was they in used to uh, call a, few, uh, a couple months ago. Yeah. Fred Greenlee. Yeah, Greenlee, yeah. Yeah, And Riley and uh, Andy. And, I think uh, they were called the, uh, uh, they the, call, outlaws. the Outlaws. The Outlaws. Yeah, the outlaws. Yeah. Yeah. They became legendary. Sam changed comedy. Comedy had changed in the 70s. Mm -hmm. Sam, Sam and your friend, Dice. Yeah. Uh, really kind of changed comedy in like the mid 80s. They'd been doing mm -hmm. it for a while, but the way they kind of blew up on the scene, I mean, they were doing they were doing rock and roll rock and on roll. stage. Well, they developed their own category. I think it was more than stand up at that point. I think it was a new category in comedy, and that became that bad boy uh, outlaw type of, yeah. of yep. business. You know, so yeah. a lot of comedians went that route into that world, and it became huge. Now I heard a story, and I don't know if it's, if it's true or not, or if you can you can speak to it, but. Uh, uh, that um, uh, Dice was a comedy store regular and that the Dice Man was just one character that he did. Yes, correct. That's what I heard. And then I heard that uh, through the uh, Young Comedian special, and I think it was, I think Hicks and Tim Allen were either on that one or the one right after. They were all the, uh, right. And that the Dice Man blew up on him. 
It just uh, blew up overnight. Yeah. What happened was, it, it, and uh, he was called the actual original character of Dice was called Tony Tufferino. Okay. And then, um, it, so then he would go to the comedy store late at night, Andrew, and he'd work on material. And one night he started ranting and raving. He goes, you know, I think I came up with a great name. And um, he called his sister up, and uh, and he told him, I think the best name for me is called just the Dice Man. It's cool. It represents everything I do. And then he just started taking that one character and going on making that a true solid performance. Uh huh. You know and I mean, it, I mean it, for him, I'm, I, I'm always interested in uh, uh, individuals like him who were anonymous and then overnight become famous. It's right. not like a buildup, like oh, he was he had a small part on this show and then a small part in the movie. It's not like a Robert Duvall thing. Well, Di- Andrew had a bunch of stuff. Andrew started in '78. Yeah. Okay. Then he moved to the, uh, L- L.A. in '78. Of course, worked the comedy store as a doorman, which didn't last long with with Sam. Yeah. But um. Andrew was on a bunch of like different strokes and he was actually on MASH and he was on a bunch of these little shows up until he blew up after the Rodney special. Before the Rodney special, he was headlining, but he didn't uh, blow up. Rodney, that special blew him up. Does he ever talk about, I mean, was that, was that, did he, are there things that he looks back on? Because when you become that big, that fast, uh, you're right, he was a work, he was a very funny guy and and a working entertainer. But then when you blow up that fast sometime, does he ever look back and go, "Here's some steps I would have changed," but I because I skipped a bunch of steps. No, not Andrew, and I call him Andrew, but just that's what I call him. But yeah. not him at all. He uh, he knew exactly what he wanted. He was uh, he was saying that he was going to be the biggest comic in the world way before he even became that. He was the first comic to sell out Madison Square Garden in 48 minutes, two shows. Yeah, yeah, and then Jesus. to do the same thing at the Meadowlands Christ. and Nassau Coliseum, which this is within a 20 mile radius. I never cared for Dude, the Meadowlands. That, There's not no, good I played that's a wet there. dream for anybody. Yeah. But I started I started opening for many. Nine. <laughs> yeah, actually, after he did the uh, the Madison Square Garden show, that was uh, that not that show, but the one on Theater of Living Arts in Philadelphia. Yeah, that was the Dice Man Cometh. That's what really blew him up, and that was in '89 on New Year's Eve, going into 1990, airing on HBO. That night is the night that Dice became the biggest phenomenon in the country. You know, then years later, or a number of years later, I think he had one of the biggest pay per views, which I was the opening act Were on. You that the opening as well. act on. Yes, that. no apologies. Yeah, yeah that was that, the Westbury Music Fair. Yeah, and that was just incredible. I, Thirty-three I, million viewers. I was wow, working man. Ron Bennington's comedy scene in Florida when someone told me I love Dash Club. Yeah, yeah, wow. he has his own podcast now. Ron does really. Somewhere. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, I haven't heard that since. Yeah, then. that was a fun club, wasn't Good. it? Yeah, that was yeah. crazy. Ron Bennington's. You yeah. just brought back a lot of crazy memories there. Yeah, I, I'm like I'm like the nostalgic <laughs> podcast. You really? Yeah, I just Do you got, remember back in the day? I just got like these whole visions of crazy things that went on in that place at the condo. It was a pretty crazy... Uh, <laughs> Those are great days. But well, you know. yeah, it was a hotel when I stayed there, and anyway, we got to get him out of the hotel. Yeah, oh, we gotta man. Put him, we got to put him in a house in the middle of nowhere. So, all right, so Dice is, I mean, so uh, I don't want to make the interview about Dice because it's about you. Yeah, whatever. I'm okay, cool. Me and Dice I mean, been best friends 29 okay, years. Because we had Eleanor Kerrigan in a couple of few weeks ago. Dear friend of mine, Eleanor. And, yeah, and, she, and, and he's been instrumental in helping her. Big time. Yeah. So, I mean, this is like evidence of something that I thought that some guys, when they get to a certain level, as he's been it for a number of years, are very giving and very helpful. Right. You know, that they're not, they're not. Um, Andrew, is a f- he fights for his friends. Do you think there's a difference between major headlining comics and, say, major movie stars? Major movie stars are always trying to keep their public away. Bodyguards and over here and exclusive. Comics and always pressing the flesh, right? You know, I mean, what do you? Why do you think that different? What do you think that difference exists? Well, I think because comedians, we're always looking for the applause. We're always looking yeah. for the attention. That's one of the reasons why we get into the business psychologically. You know, uh, that's what we're looking for. So with actors, they're about when it's time to do it, it's time to perform, and that's about it. They're not looking for anything other than when they're on stage and screen. Where comedians are always looking for something. Yeah. So I think that you know, um, we're very we're, we were always looking to affect people. 
Yeah. No matter how it is. Even during the day when you're by yourself, don't you want to like you just make yourself humor yourself? You do something to affect somebody else. I talk to myself in the car. Yeah, me too. Myself up. <laughs> yeah. I laugh my ass off in the car. <laughs> Most of the, and actually I'm laughing yeah. at you. When, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tony's really funny in the car. Yeah. I'm hilarious. You know, uh, the first time I did a show, uh, there was a Canadian comedy, Mike McDonald, not Michael McDonald. Mike McDonald was a friend of Scheidner's, and I had all these friends in L.A., Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols and Michael Perret. And I walk into the Laugh Factory, and all these people in Masada's like, what's going on with you, buddy, buddy? But um, <laughs> I do a show, and I'm in the car with this Canadian headliner. He was a legend in Canada, very funny guy. And I go, what you think? He goes, hey, you're funnier in a car. <laughs> he goes, maybe we should get a big car and have the audience sit in a fucking car. And then when we're riding around, you can say stupid shit. <laughs> Because then you're funny, but you got up there and you just, you talk the fucking funny out of every fucking <laughs> I don't know if you should do this. Maybe you should go back to drinking. You yeah. don't want a long life. It'll be painful. Or selling cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually, but the telling thing was, he said, you talk the funny out of everything. Because a lot of time, beginning comics, they, they just talk the funny out of it. Oh, yeah. That, Are there afraid? That's true. This is the thing. So, Renee, you're kind of a, of a newer generation, but you've been in 97. I mean, that, that's yeah. quite a while. And I, I'll, uh, I'll encounter uh, um, newer comics. I'm not going to say young, because some of them are young. But, and they'll go, oh, well, I, I don't want to tell jokes. I just want to tell stories. And I go, well, they better be goddamn funny yeah. Whatever stories. you're fucking telling, no be kidding. funny at it. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't care what you're telling. <laughs> it's almost it like funny. some people want to lower the bar so they'll be able to get over it. Yeah. They yeah. go, it doesn't have to be about being funny. I go, no, the setup doesn't have to be funny. But maybe the punchline right. needs to be funny. Something needs to be funny in that area. Something yeah. <laughs> yeah, regardless if it's a story or something that you just made up. it has yeah, the, the punchline just better be funny. Right. Heels, I, I was watching some of your stuff, and uh, um, I, I'm watching, and I go, I go, this is an interesting thing. I go, this guy uh, chooses to use the language that he wishes to use, yet you could, he could go either way. He could take all that language out, and there's still really solid jokes. Thank you, yeah. So well. you made a, you made a con did you make a conscious decision at some point? I mean, I, uh, I had a friend in the 80s who went, I'm going to go super clean. Right. And it worked very successfully. I go, why? He goes, well, because everybody's going this way, so maybe I'll be, you know, uh, something different. Have you ever made a conscious decision about what kind of material you're going to do? Or if it's just funny, you're going to say it. Well, you know, I always stood by what Richard Pryor said back years ago when a comedian asked him, you know, um, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out which way I should go on stage, like you had just mentioned. Yeah. And Richard said to him, you know, if it's funny, say that shit. Yeah, and I always remembered that. And you know, I don't really care how I say it or how it comes out or what word I use. I need to get it out of my system, uh -huh. and I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I, yeah. I say it the way I want to say it. Whether if fuck belongs there, it belongs there. If fuck don't belong there, it don't belong there. As if they tell me, can you take it out for that joke? Sure, I can. But I, I'm me. No matter what, I will always be me. You know, there should be a, a special dispensation for uh, comics who are raised Catholic because people don't understand working class Catholics. That fuck was an adverb, adjective, everything. Our parents said it. If we said it, we got punched in the mouth. Right. Yeah. It was everything. And when you got the priest out at like the bingo parlor night, they go, hey, you fucking guys, I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Fucking I'm going to fucking bless you right fucking now. Yeah. Then we're going to have a beer behind the fucking building. Don't tell you. You know. I mean, it was. Yeah. And these were, they were good guy priests. Yeah. But, right. But it was almost like the. By the way, be fucking 12. Anybody right. got <laughs> the priests yeah. slash bookies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
<laughs> and I, I, I'm look. I, I, you were raised Catholic, right? right I yeah, was, yeah, yeah. And, and Renee, you were raised Catholic. I'm Mexican, is the law? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I knew a Mexican guy in Los Angeles that was Protestant. I used to just really. Yeah, yeah. He was, never he, adop- was he adopted? No, no, he wasn't adopted. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone now. But uh, <laughs> no, well, there you go. He's See there? He was never accepted. <laughs> he was never accepted. If he was raised Catholic, he'd have still been with and us. I go, how, I go. How can this be? <laughs> I used to stare at him like the way he used to stare at men in dresses. Now you don't. Wow, you know, right? yeah, like a unicorn. Uh, <laughs> you got any take on this whole Caitlyn Jenner thing? Or? You know, listen, I mean, the guy, I support equality in everything. If I said I was against anything that was illegal, that's one thing. If I'm against something that's legally can be done in America, I'm for it because you know what? Be yourself. You got to be who you are. You yeah. got to pitch. You know, in in the game of sales, which comedians are, we're salesmen. Yes. Okay. In the game of sales, they teach you to pitch with passion. Yeah. So you have to. If you don't believe in yourself and you don't love who you are, then you're never going to be accepted, and you're never going to truly be at ease with yourself. You have to be who you are. So yeah, I I, I support Caitlin 100. percent I just don't want him. You know, uh, we we have a place that we go to in Malibu, and I just don't want him driving on PCH anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go over his house. <laughs> yeah, he has a little driving problem yeah. on Pacific Coast yeah. Highway. Yeah, he's, got he's not going to get arrested for that. You heard, you heard that? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. You know, I, you know. Well, that, Bruce is going to get arrested. Yeah, Bruce going to get arrested, but, but he can't I, find him. If I ever get busted again, I'm putting on a pinafore and I can't get out. <laughs> the only thing, yeah, that's funny. The only thing I don't understand about the whole Caitlyn Jenner thing is that uh, why all the big hype now? Weren't people doing that for years? It's called you know transvestite. It's yeah. called transsexual. It's called drag queen. Is is what it is, right? You know what I think it might be, um, uh, possibly uh, because I lived in Los Angeles for so long, and, and Los Angeles is a very progressive city, and it's a very diverse city. Right. And when you're around progressive people, and and you know what, I knew a lot of conservative people in Los Angeles too, but you go, oh, you accept it, but then you get out to like Lawrence, Kansas, where they they have no idea, right. and they haven't really dealt with it. Uh, it's a huge problem. But wasn't RuPaul doing that back in the eighties and nineties? Wasn't RuPaul? I mean, it, you know, it yeah, new. you know what RuPaul was. You know, everybody made a big deal. First off, you know, I'm sixty, so uh, in the seventies when uh, Bruce Jenner was the big uh, uh, triathlon champion. Right. First off, it wasn't that big a fucking deal. Right. Okay. I was watching football. I was watching boxing. I was watching baseball. I wasn't looking at a guy throwing a stick in the Olympics. <laughs> right. But and he was on the weedy box. So I think what a lot of people in. in a lot of times when people that, uh, one group of people, it's like this Duggar An guy. An idol to look at. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, why can't you be like him? Yeah. Like when I was a kid, uh, the Jacksons be on TV all the time, like on uh, um, uh, some TV show. My parents go, well, look at those kids. They're well behaved. And I go, well, yeah, you need to beat us just a little harder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you're not, now you're just beating me enough to make me drink, not right. to dance. Exactly. <laughs> And, and let's be honest, by the way, uh, how many people really ate Wheaties back then? I didn't eat Wheaties. And it was, dude, uh, we didn't have Wheaties in my house, dude. But, we had anything but Wheaties. But he, he was seen as like the paragon of American manhood. Oh, that's true. What yeah. about Chaz Bono? Don't you think she's a little pissed off at this point? That this girl <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, yeah. I mean come on, Chaz went through a complete restoration. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and still can't get Cher's attention. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you, you going to do? Take your call. With the beard. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's working. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> well, talking about real quick, because I want to just touch on one thing you talked about, about rock and roll comedy, which Sam and Dice probably were the, were the true. Uh, I remember back in 1990. I mean, what comedian? Okay, I was with Dice back then. We were walking around the Beverly Center in L.A. Literally could not walk around during the day. 
yeah. back in the, in the 90s, you know, early 90s, where we would start in the mall and we would be alone. And for, by the time we got to the other end of the mall, there was at least 300 people behind us with, with pitch, cameras and, and things. So what comedians that, you know, back before the rock and roll comedy started would, ha- would have that kind of effect on people other than Sam and Dice, guys like that, Bill Hicks. Well, not Bill Hicks, because Bill Hicks was never a rock and roll comic, right? Yeah, he was. I mean, he was. Well, you know, I mean, the problem for Bill was that he, he died too young. Right. Bill Bill was kind of uh, bad un- boy. Yeah, he was a bad. He was unhappy yeah. with comedy, but he be- he was offered a deal in London where he was going to be able to do this TV show right. where he could talk about whatever he wanted. Um, he kind of felt that what he wanted to talk about, what he wanted to do, uh, was not going on by the mid nineties. Right. Mm. He, you know, and so he go. He was going to do something else. You know. Um, so yeah, he but he was. I mean, he and Sam both came out of Houston comedy. Absolutely, came Bill out, was a genius. Yeah, with Sharon Menzel and um, uh, Bill. Actually, uh, if I can ever find it, it's one of the rarest things. Bill moved to Los Angeles. Sam and everybody was already in, were already in yeah, Los Angeles. Yeah, they still then. And then uh, Bill was younger, but he moved out. They got him spots at the comedy store. <laughs> Within a month, he got a pilot with Jeff Altman. Oh wow! And if you ever Jeff see Jeff, Altman. you can wow. ask him yeah. about this because yeah. he still hangs around. The I just saw Jeff recently. Yeah, he cool. did a pilot where he played an ambassador to a small island, and it was a you know it was a comedy. And Bill played the Marine guard who always forgot his pants. That's hilarious. He'd be perfect for that. And there was one, and Bill showed it to me at his apartment in Hell's Kitchen one time years ago, and it was him with a little buzz cut, and there, and uh, he made great. all this money, and uh, so he was like the first one to make it. But then he left and, wow. and started, uh, and he, you know, he never started drinking until he was twenty-one. Yeah, I heard that too. And Billy really didn't hang out. He was not a hangout comic. He was not. A, he was really? a very um, not a hangout really? comic. Not at the comedy store anyway. He no. was not every there every night like everybody else. He was. He was a real lone wolf. Yeah, he was. He was a real. Wow. Lone wolf. And I see you have a, a legend on the wall, Richard Jenny, who was a dear friend of mine. Yeah, Rich was oh, a pal wow, of mine. Richard yeah. I saw him a week before he passed. Before he passed away, I saw him at the, um, the Ralphs on uh, Coldwater Canyon in Ventura. And I was talking to him, and I had no idea. I mean, I knew I knew the problems, Rich, the demons he had, but I didn't think it would ever come to that. The wow. last conversation I had with Rich Jenny, which Rich and I were close in the uh, early '90s, I opened for him at the Richmond Comedy Club. Oh, okay. And um, I, he was the first headliner whose name I totally forgot, mm. and he was cool about it. I went, "Your headliner is," because you know I was I was headlining from the opening spot, right? Like some guys do, and they shouldn't do that. But um, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, you know, it's funny, uh, uh, and and I didn't even see that until right now until you pointed it out. But uh, one thing I can tell you about this guy is um, I didn't know him personally. Uh, I knew Fraser. I, I mean, everybody knows Fraser sure. Smith, um, but Fraser was opening uh, opening up for him at the time. Uh, and I and I remember I just went to go see Richard uh, just because I wanted to see the guy one time at least and uh, and I'm glad that I I did because that was uh, probably a month before he he passed and uh, and I, and there's one thing that I would always tell uh, young comedians or just people that's just comedy fans if they were they didn't have to be uh, in the abis- in the business but one one guy I would always refer to I was like if you want to see somebody that really is funny truly truly funny I was like Google this guy his yeah. name is yeah. Richard Jenny he was an amazing comic and, yeah. because I would say the name and people would go hmm, I'm not sure if I know the guy and I'm like okay I go Google the name I go look it up on your on, on your computer and I guarantee you're gonna know who this guy is I go I've never seen anybody command an audience the way this guy as soon as he I mean the, the moment he walked on stage I never saw a guy command an audience the way yeah. Richard did man. this guy comedy. was absolutely a phenomenal performer for uh, for people who are listening uh, either now or when you download uh, we're talking about Rich Jenny and uh, uh, we'll talk about other comics here on occasion that people should really go back and and watch or listen to he was an incre- and he was a very sweet guy very like I said I opened for him in Richmond and uh, and we became fast friends. Uh, he invited me over to his apartment. 
he and John Mulrooney had oh, a place. Oh, Mulrooney's different. Uh, walking distance from Barney's Beanery, yeah. which at one time was so important to me. I used to uh, live right by there, too. <laughs> <laughs> I love Barney's Beanery. Barney's Beanery, I, they were the best. I used to live on West Knoll. And, uh, uh, right, I, li- I, right, I lived on Hacienda. I was right around the corner. And yeah, <laughs> the beautiful thing about Barney's is it opened at 6 a.m. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had the biggest menu of, of, of crap on the menu, though. It was, everything looked so good. Total. Oh, I know. And, uh, there was a guy named Irwin who ran at the time who was a big heavy set guy who was just mean and he had uh, his pants pulled up to like his and he'd yell at the bartenders and scream at everybody go, you're all a bunch of goddamn losers go, get everybody around <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened to Barney but Rich Jenny was an incredible comic yeah. um, what I found as, as the years went by is it became harder and harder to have a conversation with very him. difficult the conversation just became him spinning bits at you you're absolutely 100% right yeah. I, I, I was just going to tell you that I was at the Ralphs, <laughs> I yeah. said, and I said, "So what's going on, Rich? How you doing?" He goes, "All right, man. How you doing? How you feeling?" I'm like, "All right, I'm good." You know, I'm like, "What's going on?" Hey, what do you think of this bit? Yeah, and that's yeah. how it would be. He goes, "What do you think if I if I say?" And he was so fine tuned and technical when it came to his material. Oh. Every word had to be very Carlin esque, where every word had to be weighed out. And he was always thinking of bits. He was obsessed with it. That was all it was. Wow. And, another, wow. and I remember the whole Mulrooney because they were very dear friends too. Yeah. And uh, and it was and Mulrooney would say the same thing. He's so absorbed in comedy. And I wonder why though. You know. I don't know. I, I think at one point. I mean, you know, um, you know. Once again, the same comic who told me I was funnier in a car. Him and a guy named Danny Mora who had been at the comedy store. Oh, I know Danny. Sure. You know Danny. Uh, yeah. Who was a mentor of mine. Absolutely. When I started out, Vizic, I'm going to turn you into a pussy. You up there like. Jumping around like a weightlifter. Another legendary guy. He goes, nobody wants to watch a weightlifter jump around. Why don't you tell some jokes? I haven't seen Danny in about eight years. Here's 50 experience. bucks for you said I wish it was less. <laughs> that was his line. He had a pla- Here's 50 bucks I wish it was less. When I met Danny, he was running a place in Long Beach called the Golden oh, Sales. Yeah. And uh, he'd pay you oh, 50 bucks. Comedy. And it was great because it was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You come in off the road, you can make some money in L.A. And they'd go, here's 50 bucks. I wish it was less. Yeah. But both of them told me. They go, you need to have something else. They go, this this, this business will eat you up. It's going to eat you up anyway. You're never yeah. going to be home. Isn't that, but you need to have something else because otherwise in that, you know, you're fucked. It'll ruin your life. You know, I, I try to tell comedians, you're, you're 100% right, and I try to tell a lot of the younger comedians today because I do mentor a few of them myself. And I do coaching as well. Cool. And I always tell them, you know, you have to understand the reason why they call it starving artist because artists will starve because they don't know how to run the business and you have to learn yeah. how to build your brand run your business and, and, and control your business while you're being funny and I think that's why a lot of comedians fail I know that you're a good businessman I got a, I, I got a strong suspicion that Dice is a very good businessman Dice has got yes he's a very good businessman Dice uh, yeah um, but he runs his business. He runs Dice. He knows exactly. He tells yes. his managers what to do with him. He yeah. tells his agents what to do with him. And if Dice don't want to do it, Dice is not doing it. If he don't want to show up, he ain't fucking showing up. No one could tell him anything different. That's it. Margaret Smith told me a story one time. Remember Margaret? I love Margaret. Yeah, sure. I, and I talked to her about a month ago on the phone. I haven't I talked to her in years. Yeah, and uh, she's doing great. She lives in Montana. Fantastic. You know, funny. Got a a lot of them kids. moved to Montana. Yeah, you know, you can get a great spread up there. You know, it's like, you know, it's because when you're in front of people all the time, yeah. sometimes that need for such privacy. Is that where she's living too? Because Rich Hall lives there. Rich but Hall Harris Pete lives up there. Yeah, yeah. And she told me a story back in the 90s of, of being at a casino. And she goes, and Dice, she goes, I've never seen people react to just a guy in a casino. Yeah. You know, and he was gambling. She goes, and he's gambling. And of course, he's winning. Yeah, and she goes, and all the all the guys that all the guys that were hanging out with him kept going, going, Dice is winning, Dice is winning. She goes, I never saw such charisma from a guy just walking through a room or just playing. Absolutely, cards. he picked me up. We were at the I'll tell you a quick story. Bally's Hotel, nineteen ninety. I was a broke comedian. I was opening for Dice, 
1990. We've yeah, might have been that might have been the time because Margaret and I were down. Probably at, uh, we were down at uh, what the hell was it? Um, I can't remember the name of it. The guy had a place in Atlantic City too. Oh, sure. Uh, Kephart. Kephart. Right. Yeah. Uh, top of the trap. Top of the trap. Right. Yeah. So Dice goes, "Hey, wheels, what are you doing?" I'm like, "No, we were by the pool." He goes, "How much money you got on you?" I'm like, "I got like ten bucks." He goes, "Come on, let's go." Didn't tell anybody. Just him and I left the hotel. We left Bally's. Got in a cab, went to Caesars, started ga- gambling. He won seven hundred and twenty thousand dollars in about forty-five minutes. Holy okay. cow! He 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 took a hundred thousand dollar marker, Ugh. won seven twenty, paid the hundred thousand dollars off, gave me a bag of cash, and he goes, "Follow me, let's get out of here." He goes, "Put your hand in a bag, take whatever you want." Now I was a broke comedian, so I put my hand in a bag, I took out whatever, put it in my pocket, twenty-five thousand dollars. He gave <laughs> me, and he goes, "You know what?" He goes, "Here's another twenty-five. Give me fifty grand." Because I was his good luck charm. Oh my god! Oh my god! And we ended up going to the Mirage, hitting them for another four hundred and fifty thousand, and then we went back back to the pool. We were back at the pool within two and a half hours. Oh <laughs> my goodness! So he doesn't live in like a studio apartment in Seattle. No, guys is living it. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's living. Oh it for man! Sure. You know, you know, I I, I I was listening to you, Wills, and you're you're talking about you know. Uh, you and Dice going to the mall and just comedians in, the, in that that early '90s era and then, yeah. uh, you know what's amazing is that um, the fact when I started, uh, obviously you know a completely different time, but you know when I see the the, the major differences is um, uh, it, it's called the internet and oh, yeah. uh, and, and, and I'm going to tell you something uh, it, it's a it's it's a great thing but it's 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 a horrible thing and what I mean by that is that it's a great thing because it, we, we can do so much self-promotion sure it's great but the problem is is that uh, and what I what I see now it happens with with me and a lot of other comedians do uh, comedy clubs uh, they want you to do all the work before you even get there you know what I mean because because what the business has come to now now that I can I, I can see this for myself is that that it, when you try to get into a club they don't want to know what your credits are they don't want to know how many times you've been on Conan O'Brien they don't want to know how many times you did the Jay Leno show they don't even care how long you've been in the game well, you know what they want to know and this is to be I'm, and I'm dead serious that I, I hear this all the time their first question out of their mouth is oh uh, how many Twitter followers yeah, do you followers, have yeah, how, many, how many Instagram followers do you have what's your social media look like and you know what you're going Really? Like, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, I, I, and I noticed this, you know, like just listening to you and I, and I, and I, and I, I've had this conversation many and many of times and it's such a, a an awesome thing to, to, to hear it from, from somebody who's, who's uh, from that era because yeah, well. th- that is what we, we all want in, in, in my era, you know, to be able to walk into a mall and then just start from one end and by the time you get to the other end, there's 300 people following That's exactly you. what it was. Oh my God. That, I mean, that, that, that's a, boner that now, I now, would yeah, love I mean, And the tale Seriously. of that story was we ended up in a Victoria's Secret dressing room with two women posing for us so we can get, wait for the crowd to leave. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what happened. We were in Victoria's Secret. We said, let's get the fuck out of here. We went into Victoria's Secret. We are in a dressing room and we had two girls walking around and say, come on, let's come in with us. And they were modeling lingerie for us. Oh, that's amazing. See, that's what I'm saying. Just because he was dying. Nice. that's rock and roll comedy. <laughs> How many how many weeks a year are you on the road now? You know, I'm not on as much as I used to be because I'm trying. You know, because I do have a wife and a daughter, and, and uh, so I try to live a normal life. But I would say probably if, 35 weeks a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably 35. How old weeks. is your daughter? Ten. Ten. I have, I have a 25 year old daughter. <gasps> okay. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in the business. I used to take her with me to the Maxim. Right. And the cool thing was I didn't need a babysitter because it was like a theater, and I could sit her in the wings. 
and I'd be tell it was a, it was an odd experience. I don't know if you've done this. It's kind of cool. Where my daughter's sitting there coloring, right? And I'm talking to the audience and I'm telling jokes, but then I can look over to the right and go, "She's okay." Yeah. It was like something I saw in a 1950s movie. You were being daddy and you were being the comedian at the same time. And I used to bring her with me to Vegas all the time. Yeah. And then a great guys and sometimes and she was like 10 or 11. And I forget who it was. It might have been Don Lernard. Uh, uh, Don Lernard. Yeah. And, uh, some guys that go, uh, she's going to hang back in a green room with you guys. Right. Go, cool. Because we were out there all the time. And I come back and she's got cards. Because, okay, Dad, pick the red card. Pick the red card. I go, you're not coming to Vegas anymore. Do <laughs> <laughs> a three card Monty on you. She's doing three cards. <laughs> I go, which one of you guys? He go, you said watch it. We didn't know. It was oh, man. Vegas. That's hilarious. There was no television. That's <laughs> I was at the Hard Rock recently. I took my daughter. I was at the, me and Dice were performing. And so I, I had my daughter in the green room. And I said, okay, Daddy's got to go turn into wheels. Shut the speaker off in yes. the green room. So I shut the door off. I go. I go do wheels. I go do my comeback. And she goes, "Why do you shut the door?" I'm like, "Cause you know, I say things maybe you shouldn't hear at this point." Oh, you know? yeah. But she she understands now that because of be cursing and doing what I do. She looks at it. She goes, Daddy, I understand. It's, I told her, it's business. When Daddy curses and says word, the F word, no, it's business. If yeah. I do it when it's not business, then you should tell me I'm doing it because it's the wrong place, at the dinner table or whatever. Yeah. So when I say, so she goes, oh, I, I did it at the dinner table one day. I was telling my wife about a joke, and I said the word fuck, and she goes, that's okay, Daddy. I know it's business. Yeah. <laughs> How awesome is that? Man? My son loves to watch me, man. My son loves to be in the audience because, that's. I mean, a lot of what I talk about anyway is about him. Yeah. But he loves the attention. Yeah. My son loves it, man. Well, you know, it's and what a lot of people. But he's older now. What I mean, a lot of people you know. don't understand, and and uh, uh, this is um, Scheidner, who is a big mentor of mine, Rich Scheidner. Mm -hmm. If you know Rich, wow, oh, Rich sure. Scheidner, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, a, and a good pal, and uh, he used to say, um, "The bigger the freak, the straighter the guy. The straighter the comic, the bigger the freak." That's right. Yeah. You know? And uh, I actually shared a condo with a comic named Vince Champ. If you remember, I remember Vince. I never worked with him though. I do remember him though. Yeah. Well, it was a legendary story. Of Vince Champ was he was someone to be thrown into your face by clubs, going, "He's clean." He's clean. He was a very clean cut African American. I comic. know exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Tell that story. Well, it was it, it's an interesting. He was very clean cut. He was a Cosby esque and more Cosby esque than we now that right. we realize now more that. than ever. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there was a series of uh, sexual assaults on campuses. Yep. In, throughout the United States, no one had pulled it together yet. One cop in Florida. There were a number of them in Florida. And so he put a map up of Florida and started putting. No one could figure it out. They happened on the weekend. They happened in music rooms. And he started putting buttons where everyone was. And he goes, I wonder if there are any in the rest of the country. So he started calling around the country. And then he had a map of the United States. And he had little red stickers in all these towns. And then he went, someone's traveling to these colleges. And then he went, it's not a teacher because it's happening on the weekends. It's a speaker. And he started calling. <clears throat> he started calling the colleges saying, who did you have there? And it turned out that this Vince Champ, this very clean cut G-rated, yep. sweater-wearing, all-American. This Get is the night, like, like a Jackson. Why can't you be like that? Right. Was <laughs> assaulting these women and is alive and well today in a federal prison. Serial somewhere. rapist. Serial oh, rapist. Oh, so he's, he's incarcerated. He's yeah. incarcerated for the, re for the rest of his uh, natural, natural and unnatural life. I, ne life. I never worked with Vince, but I do remember that story at the comedy store, coming back to the to the uh, the waves of us. Wow. wow what year was it. this? Just out of curiosity. This was like 89, 90, 91. I actually, uh, yeah, um, uh, nice the last thing. stop had two clubs, one in Palm Springs, one in Palm Desert. And they had two houses. They had a feature act house and a headliner house. And the headliner house was this huge, you know, ranch-style mansion. And Vince was working one club. I was working the other. And he was staying in one wing. I was staying in the other wing. And we watched a, a Saturday NFL game together. I remember that. And we, and we talked. 
And he seemed like a nice guy, but he was in a hurry to get out that Saturday afternoon saying, I have somewhere to go. Now we know where. Now, <laughs> yeah. I got to leave. I got to go rape somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be late. If I don't rape, nobody's going to rape. <laughs> okay, Vince, I'll see you later. <laughs> if, if we don't rape now, rape when? I don't see rape to say why. I see rape to say why not. <laughs> we, Look it up. Google rape. We choose to go and rape because we can. You know what, Vince? Go rape your ass off. <laughs> You'll be, he's getting raped now. Yeah. Yeah. See you later. Rape, rape now. Rape tomorrow. Rape forever. <laughs> we will not let these northerners come back yeah, here yeah. Northern. tell us we cannot rape. <laughs> we shall. We will. <laughs> we shall over okay. rape. We like North South Dakota, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> so you got, you got a wife. You got a yeah. daughter. You live in Henderson. Right. So this theory, the bigger the forget because you you're a freak on stage. You're an animal. Right. You're funny. By the way, and I'm going to say this, your, your command on the stage, your presence, because I watched your stuff. And I, go, you. I go, I know the guy. I probably worked with him a long time ago. I know the name. I've heard of him. And then I go, I got to go back and watch his stuff. And, uh, and Renee, uh, we hear you're funny, too. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but your command. Who told you that? <laughs> your command, you know, your charisma on stage is fantastic. Thank you. But bigger the freak on stage, more normal the guy off, straighter the guy, bigger the freak. Do you agree, or does it hold it every? You know, I'm going to agree because here we are, and um, to be honest with you, when I'm off stage, I'm off. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I'm the most. Bo- I don't want to say boring. It's not to me. It's not. But yeah. I do regular things. You know. Yeah. And and even backstage after the show, and even when I'm working with Dice, it's the most boring backstage. People think it's rock and roll. They can't wait to get back there, and then they're back there and they just see us hanging out, looking at each other, doing nothing. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think we just kind of it's a, it's an act. It really is. Well, some of it is in order to have longevity in life. All the things in order to stay young forever, you have to give up many of the things of you. Youth. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that is true. That is you true. can't run around with a cigarette in your mouth and a bottle of your lips and a straw in your nose past. But I will tell you, 50. just for the record, <laughs> I mean, I, um, I, I enjoy the business. I still write and do my thing. We, you know, being in this business, you understand you got a great show being relevant in this industry and our genre of comedians. I, uh, I go back to my hotel room when I'm on the road like this. I yeah. mean, wherever I'm at. And uh, I'm done. And I just chill out. And I smoke a bowl. And you know yeah. what? I'm allowed to. And I don't give yeah. a fuck what people think. I'm Absolutely. 50 years old. And you know yeah. what? It helps me. I enjoy it. I write sure. better. And I'm gonna. Sh- uh, and that's who I am. I'm not out there uh, raping people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm in my room. Yeah. Smoking a joint, watching infomercials, because that's about what it's about. Yeah. You know, just chilling out. And then when I'm with my family, obviously we're doing other things. But you know, it's not always about having to live that crazy lifestyle. You know, that's that's for kids. Yeah. Well, you know what? I I I will have to agree with everything that that you guys have, have said because I. I mean, I wear a suit on stage. I'm very clean cut, you know. I mean, I, I look like something that out of Vegas, you know what I mean? And You're a goddamn I, rapist, aren't uh, you? Yeah, <laughs> I am. I am. And uh, I, I'm just going to say. <laughs> Renee Rapey. I was wondering why you put a map. Watch out tonight, Scottsdale. <laughs> Oh, you don't have to work too hard in that part of town. That's why you had that map with him last night. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. And I, and dude, and, but you know what? And it's funny because I, because I'm, 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 you know, like I listen, I'm, I'm listening to Wheels, and 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 uh, and like I totally understand, you know, that you know how how he just goes back to his room, he smokes a bowl, he's yeah. done, dude. Like I, I, you know, I totally understand that. And the 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 thing about me is so different because I. I gave up a lot of stuff when I was in 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 in, in my twenties. Uh, I mean, I was married and had a kid by the time I was barely twenty years old. My son's going to be twenty one 
21 in, in a couple of months. And I'll be you honest with you. You look 21. Uh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I started having kids at recess. I didn't fuck around. I will rape you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something came good out of this. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it sucks being a grandparent in your 30s, but let me tell you. Uh, uh, but you know what? I, like, so all, through my entire 20s, you know, uh, I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't do much. You know what I mean? I, and uh, I mean, I, I was, I, I, I knew about comedy. I knew it, it was something I wanted to do. But at the time, what the fuck was I gonna do? Comedy? Are you kidding me? I got, yeah. a, I got a kid and I got a wife. I got a family guy. Yeah. I got to do something with my life. So uh, with that being said, I fast forward my life now, and I'm such an, I'm. I'm I'm in such a great moment in my life right now. I'm in my early 40s, and my son's a grown grown ass man. You know what? I'm not married. I don't have a girlfriend uh, or a boyfriend. But uh, <laughs> but but I, I mean, I'm I'm living my life to the fullest extent, and I yeah. and I love it. I, I love doing comedy. I love this business. Uh, there's I, I surround my my life with it. Uh, I'm I'm very career minded right now, and uh, and it's amazing. So that's why when I when I hear wheels, you know, and and, and guys like yourselves that that you know. Uh, you know, you're you're at a point now where where you're able to raise a family the right. way you want. Yeah, I, I think it's wonderful because I've been there and I've done that, and it's an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing to watch your children grow up. It really is. Yeah. Uh, but now, you know, like I said, I'm just I'm just glad uh, that I'm still young enough where I can you know still fucking go out and have a good time. It, it's it's awesome. What you know was, what I mean? What was the old saying? I don't think it applies to anybody here. Was it? Comics, great fathers, horrible husbands. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know what's funny is that I got I don't I got almost got out of the business when I got married. So I yeah. got married. We got married ten years ago. Uh, just real quick. So uh, Adam Sandler goes on at the comedy store last night. Yeah. And Adam's a very dear friend, and we started out together. Yeah. So my wife, uh, you know, uh, was home and I'm hanging out. So Adam calls me up last night. And I was talking to him at the, at the hotel actually mm -hmm. here in Scottsdale. And I said, uh, so I saw you had a great set at the comedy store. You and Spader and all that. He goes, yeah. I said, see. I said, nothing's fucking changed. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you still, we're still doing it. I said, I'm over yeah. here stuck in Scottsdale. You're sure. doing the comedy store. I said, Chris Rock is working at the comedy cellar tonight in New York. I'm like, you know what? Our genre is still there. If you're not dead, you're not done. Yeah. Right. That's what it comes down to. And we're right. still doing our thing. Uh, and, and that's just the way it is. I mean, you know. I met a, uh, I, I was interviewed for a magazine recently called Underground Artist. And um, they talked, asked me what a big influence of mine was. I go, I met a guy who was very influential to me, only I didn't realize it. I'm working the Four Queens in Vegas, and there's an 80-year-old comic working it. Shrip booked me into it, named Dave Barry. He's 80. He looks like the Monopoly, okay. Monopoly man. And I watched this guy. And after the first night, I go, I'm not going to leave this guy's side all week. And I watched this guy, and I talked to him. He'd opened for Sinatra at the Paramount. Wow. He'd been uh, downtown Vegas in 1936. What an amazing And he started thing. talking about all the shows he was on. I realized I saw this guy 100 times. When I was a little kid, waiting to see Topo Gijo. When I was a little older, waiting to see the Beatles or the Stones. Dave Barry was on. He was wow. the, he was that comic. I don't remember comic. him. Wow. And nobody remembers him. Okay, but here's what I as I watched his act, I went, I'm doing his fucking act. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, I was nine, seven, six, five. He influenced you. He was a button down comic. You know, he's one of those guys with the button down with the thin tie and the glasses. And ladies and gentlemen, I have a son. Let me tell you about my. And he was and he was a wonderful guy. And the biggest compliment I got towards the end of the week, he goes. Uh, I'm working one of the groups in Beverly Hills. For those of you who don't know, that was a uh, slang for uh, Jewish organizations. Right. He goes, I'm working one of the groups. He goes, you have a joke that would be perfect. Would you mind if I borrow it? And I went, hell, I've sold it twice. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's on consignment. <laughs> How long do you want to borrow that? <laughs> but when, uh, I, you know, some people, when I was going through uh, uh, my divorce and, and I realized that... Um, and I was raising a daughter in Los Angeles. You moved to Henderson, which is kind of a normal right. city. And I was raising a daughter in Los Angeles. And, and I go, 
I got to do – and that's when I got off the road and started doing other things. Yeah. I started doing media and I started doing coaching and managing and anything else, directing. But you never left the business. I never left the business. That's great. I tried one time. I was so – at one time I went, I got this daughter and I don't have any money. I'm going to need a job. And I applied and I got, I got hired by the post office. And the next day, God help him, God bless him. Craig Shoemaker hired me to uh, uh, direct his one-man show. Uh-huh. He fired me a couple months later, but he paid me enough money right. that I would, didn't <laughs> have to go to work at the post office, and it propelled me forward. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what right happened on. was, I remember, and I'll tell you the quick story. In nine, it, it, I met my wife, you know, and uh, got married, and we were living in a one-bedroom apartment in West Hollywood on Hacienda, okay? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go on the road. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking go on the road. Yeah. So I went on the road. I had to go to Miami. I'm in Miami. I'm in a hotel room, to make a long story short. And I'm smoking a joint. And I came up with an idea. And I said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy the .com. It was called cannolikings.com. So I bought that .com. And I said, I'm going to go back to L.A. And I'm going to start a small little catering company in Los Angeles. And I'm going to call it Cannoli Kings. And I was high. And I'm like, this is fucking crazy. So I go back to L.A. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start this company. And I did it. I have a one-bedroom apartment doing uh, $400 drop-offs, things like, you know, crazy sure. stuff. Advertising on Craigslist, whatever. Within two years, I became the number one catering company in Los Angeles. I went from zero to making $2.5 million in two years. I became the number one catering company in Los Angeles. I said, I'm done with comedy. I said, I, I'm at peace. I've done so much in this business as far as film and television. If I don't ever do it again, I'm fucking fine. I said, perfect. I opened up a restaurant in North Carolina. Boom. I hit Vegas. Sold the restaurant. Hit Vegas. I get a call from Geechee Guy. Sure. Geechee Guy goes, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, nothing. He goes, you want to come by and do a guest spot? I said, no, nah, I'm not really into it. I've been out of the business five years. He goes, come on, Wheels. Come and do a guest spot. Went to the Rio. Make a long story shorter, within two months, I had billboards all over town. I had my own residence. And, and I, you know what? So what it tells you is that you, you, know, you can leave the business, but if you're really made for it, you never really leave the business. It comes back to you. You just don't need the money as much. Right. So you didn't bring any sandwiches? Just when you think In the car, but I didn't know if you wanted <laughs> They put me back in. You tell this great story <laughs> of success, and all he goes, he didn't bring me a fucking. Sandwich. I had bagels in the yeah. car. <laughs> Surely we got a, a, a mats at the door. If you want to, guys, we got to wrap up, and I feel unfortunate. Oh, uh, what? Usually we go twenty minutes. We've gone an hour and ten. But this yeah, is fantastic. Yeah, this we is would great, like, man. We, Thank you. know, with this thing, I, I did FM in, in town for a while. I couldn't do it. Uh, uh, the, the people I work with, we're going to talk about the five funniest things that you smell in your underwear. And I go, I, I, go, I don't want to talk about this. This is a great show. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I love it. We we took the studio back, Shirley and I. This was this was our place, and uh, we took it back. And I go, and um, I said, we're going to build this together. And uh, she's done uh, all the technical stuff. It's marvelous. And I said, hey, we're going to talk to You're a wonderful we, woman, Shirley. Talk? Yes, yeah, she is. I mean, it, it wouldn't be on the air without her. So we're going to talk about what we want to talk about, how we want to talk. We're not going to be gratuitous. Like, we're going to say whatever we want. We want to entertain people. But I don't want this to be tainted by anything other than creativity and fun. And you guys have made it creative and fun. I feel remiss that I have not mentioned for almost the last hour that you guys are at the Laugh Factory should I do it again? Let's Paul do, yes. and Paul. Yeah, Paul and Paul. Paul Rodriguez and Paul Hop bring Jamie Posada's <laughs> legendary laugh factory to the Valley of the Sun. Corner of Scottsdale and Shea. Coolest corner of all Scottsdaleville. We have Michael Wheels, Parisi, Renee Garcia, and some opening act. Ladies and gentlemen, two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, one show Sunday. Go to comedy, go to ScottsdaleLaughFactory.com, ScottsdaleLaughFactory.com, or ComedySchools.com for more information. How was that? Was that, that was really that was really good? Thanks. Yeah, I was actually believing. And that if anybody's out there wants to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, <laughs> right? Exactly. Wheels live. And uh, on, on behalf of me and the boys in the band, I hope we pass the audition. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right, now, before we go, uh oh, this is a uh, this is a uh, the show's called This American Podcast Comedy Edition. Before we go, if the feature act comes in, he has to read 
one page Uh-oh. from the little Walt Disney's The Little Man of Disneyland, a little golden book classic. Renee? Why does it say by Pornhub? <laughs> <laughs> My personal favorite. It's Red Tube. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so wh- which one am I reading now? I read the short one. Oh, okay. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, no, yeah, I was going to say, because uh, <laughs> I'm Mexican. <laughs> no, because you're short. Uh, <laughs> no, you're a good, uh, good guy, Renee. By the way, I'm a social media whore. And every, you can follow me on any social media. I'm on everything. I'm on Snapchat. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. My my uh, Twitter handle and, my, and everything is the same, at It's Renee Garcia, please look me up uh, and come by and see us this weekend. Re- really, really, really good shows. Okay, here we go. Do I have to read it in Donald Duck? You Duck's can read it book? however you want. <laughs> you just got to read it. Um, Ow! cried Donald Duck. I've been stung. Why do I sound like an old Jewish woman for some reason? Uh, Carol Chan. Oh, can uh, you just read it for uh, us, uh, Renee, the way it's written? Okay. Ow! cried Donald Duck. I've been stung. Must be bees around here. He looked down then. What's this? He cried. Who in the world are you? Now, what Renee doesn't know is that was his America's Got Talent audition, and <laughs> we'll get back with you. <laughs> Yeah, they'll let you know within 10 days by mail. God, <laughs> I should have stuttered. we got to wrap up. We've been talking to Michael Wheels, Parisi, and Renee Garcia. They're at the Scottsdale Laugh Factory all weekend. You can hit me, Tony Visick, up on Facebook, V-I-C-I-C-H, Tony Visick, for complimentary tickets, or uh, go, to com- uh, go to comedy schools at hotmail.com and write me, or call us at 818-571-JOKE, and we can fix you up with some complimentary sh- uh, tickets to see this very funny show. I'm Tony Visick. This is This American Podcast Comedy Edition. We'll be back in a couple of moments. I speak tonight for the... Thank you, Tony. Dignity. Tony, thank you, Tony. I urge every man to go far.